yeah, I didn't really see any value to like studying. I was like, this is nonsense. And then once I got good at breaking and I was like, oh man, like the actual things you practice in your day-to-day life have value. What's up guys? Today's guest is a professional stuntman and physical therapist. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Dr. Cheyenne Safar. What's up? What is, to be here. What is up, dog? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm really good. Man, uh, as everyone knows on these Jamcasts, I love when my life is able to cross over <laughs> from so many different worlds into this. And you have been in my life for over a decade, I feel like, at Dude, this point. Yeah, since the Lotus days. Absolutely insane. And, and when you first went to Lotus, were you just going there as a practitioner for fun? You must have been like just out of high school around that time. Right? Yeah, I think I was probably 18 at the time, just okay. graduated. And um, there was a B-boy who was like, let's go to this place in the valley. It was on like a Thursday night or something. I had no idea about it. And um, yeah, I just showed up and I was like, dude, what is this world? <laughs> There's people doing like the most preposterous things. That no. I was in my first introduction to tricking. I had no idea about it before. Um, Were you able to execute any flips at that point or just no. mostly breakdancing? No, no, no. I was just a B-boy at the time. Oh, that is crazy. And now obviously we'll cover like your history and stuff like that, but (laughs) it's just surreal to me because like I said, like I met you as like a a practitioner at the gym, like a patron at White Lotus. And then eventually you like helped us at jam at a certain point with like tricking and stuff. And now you're my physical therapist. So it's just like, (laughs) just adding What's going to be next is the question, right? (laughs) Business partner potentially down the road. There we go. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, man. Oh, man. So that's amazing, dog. And then obviously, uh, one of the coolest things about that is not only seeing your progression movement-wise, but also just throughout your life and your career that you have right now. Um, So for those that, you know, may not understand what I said in the intro, you are officially a doctor. Yes. Uh, Yes. And what is your doctorate in and how long did it take you to achieve that? Wow. Um, so my doctorate's in physical therapy. Uh, in total, it's been about 10 years of higher education after after high school. No right? way. Yeah. The, the minimum requirement is you got to get your bachelor's. Okay. And then now you have to do a three-year doctoral program after. But I did some extra courses and, and I'm still doing extra courses and stuff like that. So no way. about a decade of, of studying. That's wild. And so like, forgive my ignorance, but uh, obviously like to, to, after your bachelor's degree, uh, how many years of, of like graduate school is it? Or is it like a certain number of years as well as like hours you have to put in? So you do have to put in hours to get into graduate school. And then while you're in graduate school, you also have to do what they call it clinical rotations. Okay. But the graduate program was three years. Three yeah. years. And then what's the requirement as far as hours? Is it like an insane amount that takes? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it varies from program to program. Okay. I know for me, I had to at least spend, I think it's like eight months, like as a clinician, meaning okay. not inside the classroom. Yeah. In total. So where you're constantly being evaluated and people are watching you and critiquing you and things like that. So yeah, it's that, been a journey, man. It's been a journey. I'm just so fascinated with people that are able to still utilize their brains in like a test taking <laughs> and you know, like I, my brain's not closed off. Like I learn things all the time yeah. from YouTube or like learning new skill sets, but for people that are still like have their heads in the books post high school, I'm just always blown away how you can manage that. I'm still blown away that I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, there are days I'm like, I'm still doing this. Yeah. My God. Were you always a relatively good student or? No, actually. The funny thing is, so my family is, they're all very intelligent, like cousins, everyone's doctors and stuff like that. But I didn't really hit my stride until breaking because I just wasn't motivated. Like I was sort of, the world was just like, oh, you just take tests, you get a good job and that's it. And I was like, this is so trite and, and boring. There has to be more to it. 
Totally. So when I got into breaking, that's what like really transcended my life. Right. And okay. I, I got into it late in life, like maybe when I was 17, 16, 17. But um, yeah, I didn't really see any value to like studying. I was like, this is nonsense. And then once I got good at breaking and I was like, oh man, like the actual things you practice in your day-to-day life have value. Wow. Right. So that's so what like, taught you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I, you know, I went to college. I was like, took it very seriously. Cause I was like, this is cool. Like for me, breaking was like freedom. Right. I mean, I never thought in my life I'd spin on my head. Right. <laughs> Let alone flash forward. I was doing head spins for LL Cool J and all these crazy things. Totally. But if you asked me when I was 16, I'd be like, bro, you're crazy. That's yeah. you got to be like an X-Men. You got to have superpowers to do stuff like that. So when I learned like, no, if you practice every day, you can do these things. I kind of applied that to school and was like, oh, like these things actually add up. That's such a valuable lesson. I think that's why so many parents try to put their kids into things like martial arts as a youth to try to inspire them to like through dedication and learning skills, you can come out with, you know, more knowledge. 100%. I mean, the craziest thing for me whenever I go to jam is you're seeing people do things that like yesterday we thought were impossible, right? Like the tricking game has evolved so much. Like I remember the conversations when I started tricking, like no one will ever do cork in back out like it's just impossible yeah. right and now it's like many like, of people are yeah. doing it. <laughs> it's like it's boring at this point right yeah i don't even know how many people can yeah, do it in the right world. we stopped yeah. counting mm-hmm. and it's like it's, it's crazy so for me it was so empowering to see that hey something that you thought was impossible is totally possible if you put the time in the work and that was breaking and tricking for me and i mean man imagine all these kids growing up and being like oh, the world says you can't do this. Yeah. But if I practice every day, I can do this. Like, it gives you a lot of confidence. Did, did you play any other sports preceding b-boying? Or what was it about that that really stuck out to you and hit home? I feel like I, I did a little bit of everything as a kid, but right. I was not naturally athletic by any means. Like, wow. I, I still am not. I, I'm just stubborn. I practice work. You work harder than Yeah, people. yeah. Oh, but okay. um, I, I played, like, you know, a little bit of everything, but I did taekwondo growing up. Oh, okay. It, okay. But, yeah, it wasn't, like, Olympic taekwondo. We didn't do any fancy kicks. It was really just like forms and sparring. So that was my introduction to martial arts as a kid. And I loved it. That was like what I probably spent my most of my time doing. Okay. Yeah. And how did you fully get into breaking? Cause that's something that's such like a niche, you know, yeah. underground hobby. It's obviously way more prevalent now. It's about to be in the Olympic games, which is incredible. Crazy. Never thought we'd see that. Crazy. But yeah. How did you stumble upon it? Man, the funny thing is, so the wild story is when I was like, I don't know, a little kid, maybe seven or eight, my cousin was hanging out with me. He's like, do a head spin and just being like the seven, eight year old kid. I was like, sure. And I'm pretty sure I did like a quarter of a spin, like nothing. I just got on my head and turned. And of course he's my older cousin. So he got super stoked and he's like, yo, right. So as a kid, I always knew about it because then he like showed me YouTube videos and things like that. And then for my 16th birthday, he took me to a jam, Torrance, like a real underground, like legit jam. And I remember seeing Casper and Smurf go off and I was like, yo, I got to figure this out. And, and yeah, that's it. Like the next week I signed up for classes. No way. Yeah. That is wild. And like, yeah. what, what kind of classes were they? Were that like a traditional dance school yeah, or it was, a B-boy specific school? N- no, it was like a, I mean, I lived in the suburbs, like right on outside of LA County. So finding like a legit yeah. B-boy teacher there was hard. So I went to just like some random dance school that had one hour a week. It had a guy on um, PD Escovito who, okay. Man, that guy's been a, an absolute gem in my life. And so, yeah, he found me at the right time. And, and um, yeah, just took it from there. That's so wild, man. Because, I mean, as we always say on the Jamcast, how, like, each generation is so much luckier with the resources that come about. Oh my like, God. yeah, like, even <laughs> now, like, I know of tons of B boy specific gyms that finally exist, you right? know, around the country. There's even, like, a chain of them um, that I've seen online. My buddy owns, like, one of the franchises in Arizona. It's like, yeah. 
insane to see the things are popping up. Dude, so absolutely. back when you're doing it, obviously it's not as prevalent or easily to access. So how many days a week were you practicing? Were you going to like the school of YouTube or yes. was it just primarily <laughs> sessions? You know. So I would practice every day. Okay. Um, that was like the, that was what I lived for. I was it. Like, um, that was my identity. Yeah. And so after school, we'd go to teen center in Thousand Oaks okay. and they would just let us hang out there and, and mess around. Um, so it was like every day, two, three hours, and it was just YouTube and trying things out and taking classes. Um, but the wild thing was that's actually what got me into PT. So like just shortly, maybe six months after I started breaking, um, someone taught me how to do a wall flip. Okay. Right. And just like real quickly, like at that teen center, there was like these pads, like a padded basketball court. So he was oh, like, yeah, yeah, just go off that. Totally. And I was like, oh, sick. And just figured it out. And then like maybe a couple of days later, I had some friends over. They're like, yo, can you do it off your garage? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did not commit. So jumped, landed on my arm, boom, snapped both the bones in my forearm. No way. And, uh, and had to get surgery that night. Um, yeah, crazy. Like my arm was bent like a hockey stick. You know, and you're just outside your crib. Outside my crib. And oh. I remember it was like 10 at night and it was the first day of spring break of like my junior year of high school. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I walked up to my parents' room and I was like, I think my arm's broken. And I think my parents were so tired at the time. They just like, <laughs> they just didn't want to have it. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, well, why don't you just like go to bed, you know, like take some Advil. I was like, no, 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 this is like, it's bad. Yeah. So we went to the hospital, got x-rays, surgeons like got to do surgery. Um, which for me was like, I've never had surgery before. Yeah. Right. I was 16. It was like the first, I, I've broken like little things in martial arts and karate, but, um, nothing like that. And so I was like freaking out. Yeah. Um, and then after the surgery I had to do physical therapy, had no idea about it. So I was just like, what is this? And then I showed up and I really appreciated how much time they like actually took and cared for me because, yeah. you know, when you go to a doctor, unfortunately it's, it's a couple minutes like, Hey, this is what's going on. Like, Let's you get have you to going. hit those time slots. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and I get it. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to knock on anybody, but totally. the nice thing about being a PT, it's like at the minimum, I'm going to spend half an hour to an hour with you to really figure out what's going on, even outside your body, like in your mind too, right? Cause so much of it's connected. Yeah. So that's kind of what cascaded the whole thing. And then once I healed up and rehabbed, got back into breaking super hardcore, I was like determined to get back in it. Cause I remember even when I was in the hospital, the doctor's like, you might not ever be able to do that again. And right. Wow. Like you say that to a 16 year old kid. It's, um, it's scary. Dream right? crushing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was like, no, 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 no. Like got to do it. So just got super into it. And then one thing led to another, just kept going, kept going, but always had this like physical therapy mindset in the back of my head. No way. Yeah. And so at what point did you actually pull the trigger and decide to fully <laughs> pursue it? Cause at that point you do have to commit to it cause it yeah. involves schooling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, back then, right, it was college. So I was like, hey, just go to college and study and things like that. It wasn't until a week before grad school started that I was like, I'm absolutely doing it. Because what happened was, is while I was applying for grad school, I was doing some stunt jobs. And a week before, I was potentially going to be a double on a big project. And like I was waiting to hear, because I was doubling an actor and he was potentially up for the role okay. of a big movie. And he was like, yo, if, if I'm in it, you're going to be my double. And so like probably a couple days before grad school started, he's like, Hey man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get the role just FYI. And I was like, all right, like I, I really should do this grad school thing. And yeah. I'll, I intentionally picked a school in LA so I could keep doing stunts okay. at the same time. Okay. Yeah. That is wild, man. Yeah. 
That's super wild. Is this something that your parents were supportive of? Had they always been supportive of the stunt journey or did they want you to do the formal schooling? <laughs> I think they definitely wanted me to do the formal schooling. Okay. I, I, funny enough, I mean, they, again, Middle Eastern immigrant parents, yeah. no one's an artist in the family. Like we have, like my dad plays a guitar and, you know, and things like that, but no one's like a professional artist, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So you imagine they came to this country with nothing and, you know, they, they became something through schooling and everybody in our family became something through schooling. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a stuntman. Yeah. Right? And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Um, so I think they didn't, they didn't really know what it is. Right. And so obviously from the outside, if you're not in the community, you just hear like crazy horror stories or mm -hmm. you think they're just reckless dudes who are just, you know, driving cars off cliffs and things like that. I don't know what people think of, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's it. Right. And so they didn't really know. And I remember I did my first gig and actually shout out to Anise because Anise took me out to Atlanta for like quick Tyler Perry movie. Sick. And we were there for a week. Right. This is my first gig and I'm flying out and things like that. And I came back and got the check in the mail. Uh, right. I was going to ask. Yes. So I opened it and I was like, Oh my God. Right. Cause I was used to B-boy checks, <laughs> right? which is like a Chipotle coupon, you yeah, know, exactly. with no avocado. Right. Yeah, or if it's a live show, we split in the cash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So I saw that and I was like, Oh, and so my mom like saw me looking at the check and was like, can I see it? And I was like, and I slid it across the table, like a movie, you yeah. know what I mean? Like trying to be all cool about it. And then she opened it and she's like, can I do stunts? <laughs> and so the funny thing is after that moment, they, they saw a lot of value in it too. Cause not just the money, they saw like how it, it turned me into a man. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. I mean, let's not, let's not skip the obvious. It's a dangerous job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We literally put our lives on the line. 100%. Like 100%. So you have to be professional at this job. You can't, you can't like goof around. Like we have a good time. Obviously it's a yeah. fun job, but Hey, at, at the end of the day, like this is some serious stuff. Yeah, totally. So it turned me in, like into a man for Christ. sure. And I think my parents saw that and they saw like, oh wow, he's doing something that we never thought was possible. He's making money doing it. He's growing as a person. So they were supportive of it once I kind of started getting established, but mm -hmm. you know, they just didn't know. Yeah. Just to know if like my kid's going to starve. Right. And they didn't realize like, oh, that's not how it works. Yeah. I was, I was literally going to ask like if the money was the great equalizer. Cause for most parents it is when they finally see that they're like, yeah. wow, I didn't even know that was possible necessarily. Yeah. You know, I think it, I think it was cause at the end of the day, like they want me to be happy. They're super supportive. I love them to death. But of course, like it's your kid. You don't want them to starve. Right. Yeah. You want them yeah, to yeah, eat. Okay. So I think when they saw like, oh, Hey, no, 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 you'll be okay. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It takes time to get established. But like once you do it, like you'll be good. Yeah. And so they were, they were very supportive. Actually, funny enough, when I'd be in grad school, there'd be days that like, Hey, I'd, I'd have to fly out to Atlanta for a couple of days, but I have class or I have a test. Right. And I'd call my mom like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I got a test and this, that my mom's like, go, go, like forget <laughs> about it. And I was like, mom, like, you know, like she yeah. was super always like be good at school, be yes. good at school. And she's like, you'll figure it out. No worries. Go make that money. And no I was way. like, yo, this is wild. Um, but yeah, so they've definitely, They've definitely come around. To That's it. crazy, man. But it also leads to like a very important question, which is like, obviously your parents got on board because they saw the monetary, uh, you know, benefits of it. That also must be just as difficult for you, though, to kind of make the decision to almost put your stunt career on hold in the sense yes. like, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. people, you know, for lack of a better term, getting on that first show out of town, flying out of town, getting yes. your first weekly and getting into the residual pool people wait their whole lives to get that shot. My God. And then once they're at the game in the big show, they, they can't even imagine turning backwards. So how are you able to manage that? 
I, sometimes I still wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, funny you say uh, that because um, so I graduated, right? I yeah. got my doctorate and, you know, been working hard for this. And I had an interview at a place that's a, a specialty program. Kay. The day before the interview, I get called. Hey, do you want to be the double on this project? And I'm like, oh, shit. And they're like, it could be for three months. It could be for eight months. Let's at least use you for three. We don't know who the actor is, but if it's so-and-so, then we'll throw you on for the rest of the contract. We're going to Prague and France and Thailand yeah. and Italy, like all these things. So I'm like, yeah, of course. Say no more. Like, I'm in, right? I just have an interview tomorrow. I don't, that doesn't guarantee anything, yeah, totally. right? So, you know, fast forward, I get the interview. I get the job there, the PT job. The double is actually a perfect match for me. So now I'm caught in this world. Like the first... Fork in the road. The first movie, like full run, right? And w with an amazing squad, right? Like coordinator, second unit director, everybody there was like yeah. unreal, right? So grateful for that time I had, you know, making great money to find out like, hey, there's this other thing going on. And that was probably the hardest decision of my life because it was like... Man, I, I mean, not to talk numbers, but I, I think I I ended up obviously picking the PT route. Totally. Um, and you know how much money you would have made? About maybe five times more. Yeah. Right, doing that. And so <laughs> it was wild because it was like, I still love stunts. Like, I still consider myself a stunt performer and I still do gigs. Yeah. But I, I always loved helping people. And to me, it was like, I, I got to learn this craft. Like, I'm always going to be a martial artist where I really want to be a master of this craft so I can help people. Okay. And man, that was, a, that was a tough decision. I was stressed for like a month, you know? Like, do I, this big, you know, huge budget movie where I'm yeah. going to be a lead double and with my friends and doing all these cool things in town, right? And mm -hmm. then with just like a couple trips to Prague and France. Yeah, and like, no oh, big like, deal. This amazing opportunity, right? Where mm -hmm. it's like a dream. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, there's this other thing, too, that is very prestigious, right? Like 1% physical therapists in the world get to do this, uh, okay, right? Okay. And they've selected you. And do you want to take that route? And I was like, man, it was tough. And Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I literally was. That's one decision that I honestly don't know what I would have decided. Because, I mean, there's times where I, I have trouble just debating on whether or not I want to take one job over another yes, job. You yes. know what I'm saying? And uh Something like that, like a completely different career path is just, yeah. it's insane. I think the thing that made me make the decision was at the end of the day, I want to be an advocate for stunts because okay. like I said, we put our lives on the line, right? Like we put our bodies on the line. Even if it's something simple, they don't hire other people to do it. They hire specialists because cool. they're like, you guys are trained to make sure that you don't get hurt. Yeah. And so it's like, yo, we need some representation for our health there yeah right so the goal eventually is to somehow fuse physical therapy with stunts and actually i was lucky enough while we were on that project i would lead a warm-up with the group if someone if we had time in between a previs or something we get someone on the table i'd work on them keep everyone sharp and man i, I think it really contributed to like the productivity and the happiness of everyone because dude we're banging out three different previses pods at a day for three months going hard yeah. right and you know how the film industry is it's like they change something every day so you're done with the previs and you get notes and it's going to be a completely different way and yeah. so and of course we're all we're going after it right like we're there to throw mm -hmm. down so it was really nice to at least be like hey we have someone here that's going to say this is what we need to do for our bodies to keep us sharp and um so it was great and it was kind of like a nice little beta testing of like hey how can we how can we do this yeah this physical therapy and stunting at the same time 
That is wild, man. And so obviously, like, before we even, uh, you know, even agreed to get you on here, you know, <laughs> I, uh, we had like a sidebar conversation at one of my pri- physical therapy sessions with you. And um, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but really it came down to the fact that you just have a passion and desire to just help people yes. and affect, you know, affect the way that they're able to move and get themselves back to 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like I think we talked about before, like breaking was freedom for me. Yeah. Right. All these things are freedom for me because I get to express myself the way we want. Like that's yeah. the thing we always talk about with tricking and parkour. So like you get to be who you want to be. Totally. Right. And do these unreal things, man. Spin on your head, flip on one foot 30 times, jump from this building to that building. Like maybe things people shouldn't be doing. Totally. Right. Like that, <laughs> like our bodies might not be designed to, but like we find a way to do it. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. And so for me, like movement is freedom. Okay. Right. It's, it's me letting go. It's me being myself. And my heart always drops when I see people that are in pain or, or have something that prevents them from being free. Wow. So it's like, it's, it's actually really interesting because anytime I'm in my head about my problems and this and that, and then I see someone that is walking by and I see that, oh man, they're just like, you know, they're, they're limited. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, I just yeah. go, I wish I could give them my time and energy to make them move better because I know how valuable it is for me. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, like I've been very fortunate, you know, I, I always had a roof over my head and I always had food on the table and it's like, I feel like I have to give back because I know not everyone got those circumstances I did. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's at the end, I have to help people. Totally, man. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of recent visits to the doctor in the hospital and it's like, every time I'm in there, I'm quickly reminded how thankful we are. The people have chosen that as a career, you know, like yeah. what if everyone just wanted to do stunts? You know, we'd yeah. all have a bunch of broken people without anyone to put us back together. So, <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, we really, really owe it to people in, in the medical field like yourself. It's, it's so invaluable, you know? Yeah. I, I, no, it's, it's amazing, man. I mean, <clears throat> even right now, I'm surrounded by all these people. That, that's what they do. Like, they're, they're there to serve other people, yeah. right? And that's our motto. It's like, at the end of the day, getting people better comes first, okay. right? And it's like, between the physical therapists, to the nurses, to the doctors, to even the people like that aren't trained medical professionals, but, but are part of the team, everyone's so giving, you know what I mean? We're all there for that person just to heal. Yeah. And it's so inspiring. Cause it's like, how often do you, do you get that much selflessness yeah. and so much generosity? Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's not everywhere. Yeah, honestly, yeah. They, they say altruism doesn't really exist in the world. You know, it's right. like something that's really common, but I, I do feel like people that have your job, obviously you're getting paid for it, but you do have to have some deeper meaning and, yes. and, and reasoning behind it. So yeah. A million dollar question I've been wanting to ask forever, bro. As a practitioner of stunt work, yeah. parkour, tricking, and breakdancing, is there one art form that is worse on the body of all of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're going to put me on blast right Public now. Public service <laughs> announcement all. Listen up, audience. Oh, man. I'll say this. Uh, I'm going to get blasted for this. <laughs> I... I'll say something after to help to alleviate some pressure, I guess. Yeah. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I think breaking is the hardest. Difficulty wise? Difficulty wise. Stress on your body wise? But I don't know if it's stress on your body. Okay. okay I think okay. stunts is by far the, the most stressful on your body. Okay. Okay. Uh, hands down. I mean like, you know, when I, when I treat people and they're stunt performers, and they talk about the injuries they've had on set. These are not things you find in textbooks. True. You know, it's hilarious <laughs> when I talk to my other colleagues about it, right? Because it's like, oh, they can't raise their shoulder up, right? And the colleagues are like, oh, check this, check this. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, it wasn't like they just woke up funny one day. They got, like, 
ratcheted <laughs> into a truck and their nerve is severed. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what happened. Like, for real? I'm like, that's what happened. So I definitely think stunts is, is by far the gnarliest Okay. in and, and, and terms of the body. Outside of that, I'd have to say breaking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious because, like, one of the reasons I asked is um, I've seen, like, one of my chiropractors. He's a non-force chiropractor for, like, you know, almost a decade. And he's got me to the point where I can feel the certain things are isolated out of place. Like I said, he doesn't adjust my neck every time. He doesn't do the stereotypical pops everyone does. Yeah. Um, but there's times when I go in and he adjusts me. And he thinks that on my personal body, the tricking destroys me more than anything. He thinks parkour uh, definitely like impacts my hips and obviously a lot of my joints from like an impact perspective. But like a lot of the times when I go there and my spine and stuff is just so <laughs> twisted out of control. He's like, what have you been doing? And I'm like, I actually didn't work. I just tricked this yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when you ask that question, you're asking, you know, What's more deadly, like a silverback gorilla or like a <laughs> panther, right? They're all hard on the body, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I think tricking is frick, man. You're putting all that weight on your, your legs. A lot and of single legs as opposed to double leg legs. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, what always puts into perspective is when you get elite level gymnasts, like, mm -hmm. like top of the world gymnasts, and yeah. then they see what we do, and they're like. Blown away, bro. Off one leg? Yeah. And you're, you're sideways? And I'm like, you're a. You're like an Olympic yeah. gymnast and it boggles your mind. And then it puts in perspective like, oh man, I, maybe we are doing some really <laughs> gnarly <laughs> things. But yeah, no, I mean, for tricking, you got to have strong legs. Okay. You got to have strong legs. I think for me, breaking the reason why it's way more intense is just like, I don't think our, like tricking inherently is jumping and, yes. and sort of like running and cutting motions, which we kind of have evolved to do, but I don't see many textbooks or ancient photos of people like doing air flares or head spins yeah. or things like that. Basically but putting your body weight on your on hands your as, a, as opposed yeah. to using, I mean, that's what got me into tricking. Cause I was an avid B-boy for five years, but my wrists were just getting jacked up and I didn't at the time have the medical knowledge to know why. So I was like, Oh, I'll just give it some rest and I'll go work on these tricks. And that's, mm. that's when jam just started actually. Okay. I was still going to jam as a b-boy okay but i remember i was like i oh, like my wrists are kind of jacked up let me let me do some of the tricking stuff like it's really like it's really wild wow. and so that's what got me into there and i didn't know at the time and i kept resting my wrist thinking it's going to heal yeah yeah not realizing it was a muscle imbalance and joint imbalance and things like that so then i by the time i figured it out i was like full throttle and tricking i was like oh this is sick and so yeah and so are you able to kind of self-diagnose and help yourself out in a lot of ways? Yeah. With the knowledge you have? I mean, I'll say I can at least say like, hey, this is really serious or this is not. Because unfortunately, a lot of times with an acute injury, mm -hmm. you're so inflamed and in so much pain that it's not that clean. Right. Like if someone yeah, comes to yeah, me yeah. and they're like, hey, this happened yesterday. It's like chances are everything's going to hurt. Right. But yeah, you give yeah. it a week or two, then I'll be like, oh, it's exactly this because things have sort of calmed down. Um, but at least I, I know in my mind, like, Hey, is this an emergency? Is this something that's going to stay forever? Which I know for like, before I had this knowledge, right. Anytime you're injured, you're like, this is the end. This is the end of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so now at least I can self-diagnose or I can just be like, Hey, like, okay. this will be okay. Or like, Hey, you need to go see the doctor. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so for the majority of the forms of movement that you're a practitioner of, or that you're aware of and things like that, do you think that it's mostly preventative measures that we could all take in order to sustain it? Or do you think that they are just so, you know, extreme in what they require that inherently injuries are going to happen yeah. regardless of how prepared you are? It is both. Okay. I mean, so I think we don't give enough credit 
to the day-to-day things we do, right? Okay. Like we've had these conversations more about posture, mm-hmm. about even just walking, right? And a lot of times I'll get people that say like, oh, it was that one cutting movement I did. And it's like, ah, yeah, but at the same time, you've been sitting like this or you've been walking like this for so many years improperly. That might have just been the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, on the flip side, you have stunts and tricking and breaking where it's like you're doing things again. Probably the human body shouldn't be doing like you're taking a ratchet into a wall or you're man, you you might you might be perfect right until that moment. (laughs) But your body can only take so much. But I do think right now the conversation about health and wellness, especially here, is not talking about the day-to-day preventative things. And I think there's way more room for improvement in that. Okay. And what do you think that mostly would consist of? Obviously, is it is it specific to each sport? Or do you think it's just like a general, like, mobility, flexibility, strength that's necessary? Like, Again, both. It is specific to your sport because when you're doing things that are high intensity, you're more likely to injure yourself. Of course. Right? There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But if you don't have the mobility, flexibility, or strength, right, those are going to be the things that <clears throat> after hitting a ball 100 times, after doing 50 corks that day, after spinning on your head this many times, or taking this many ratchets, right, it's going to add up and be like, your body wasn't ready for that. Yeah. And so, like, one of the things I always talk about stunts is, you know, we're constantly getting blasted back. <laughs> like, if you don't have the neck strength... To Game keep your over. head there. I tell people that all the time. If you can't hold <laughs> your chin down. You're going to get wrecked. Yeah. And I, I did. Like I, I was on a, a line one time and I was just so tired and I wasn't doing neck strengthening and I got rocked. I mean, luckily I was wearing a helmet and it was just rehearsal, but I was like, oh, okay. And this is like while I'm learning these things. Yeah. So then <clears throat> with all my stunt friends, it's like, yo, we got to strengthen your neck. You're going to go on the line. <laughs> so like these are the little day-to-day things, totally. right? But it's usually the day-to-day things that are opportunities to improve so that when we're in are high intense sport, you're going to be good. Okay. And now this is, this may come off as a weird question, but I feel like I'm trying to ask this on behalf (laughs) of the audience and viewers out there. Um, At what point should someone be conscious of, let's say, quote unquote, an injury or something where they should actually physically go get it checked out as opposed to just resting, which is what I think the most common thing is when we self-diagnose. I mean, even myself, like, you know, over the last month, I got injured and the first thing I did was become very sedentary and thinking, oh, if I just rest my body, I'll be completely good. And now we're trying to actually unfix a lot of issues I'm having because I was so sedentary, you know? Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no one size fits all for that answer. I mean, part of what we're trained is to say, Hey, this is an emergency or not. I will say that the conversation around rest as being therapeutic is, is very much going away. Really? Yes. Okay. So one of the interesting things now, if you go to the hospital and you get surgery, that same day, there will be a physical therapist that will come into your room and be like, we're going for a walk. Because all the research shows that just sitting around doing nothing usually makes things worse. Wow. Because our bodies are designed to move. Okay. Right? That's why they say like motion is lotion for motion some is things. Motion is lotion. Yeah. Exactly. Movement yeah. is medicine. You hear yes. these philosophies yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. Like now it's a whole specific branch of physical therapy called inpatient, meaning you're in the hospital and it's for people that are there. Let's say they just had cardiac surgery. I'm talking big things. Like, yeah, yeah. Not like, you know, like a small thing. It's like, no, you're walking that day. You had a total knee replacement. You're walking that day. Right. So because what happens when you're stagnant, like I always give this analogy to my patients, it's if you look at a pond that's just sitting there, that water grows algae and bacteria and gets all nasty. Totally, but totally. if you go to a river that's constantly moving, it's clean. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. our bodies love movement. Like, and 
So it's not so easy to say, like, especially with what we do, where there's so many gnarly injuries, to be like, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, this idea of just total rest, usually in most cases, is not appropriate. I'll tell people, like, hey, if you hurt yourself, don't do something that's going to hurt it some more. Like, let's say you landed on your shoulder and your shoulder's bad. Yeah. Like, don't just, like, keep falling on it or, like, doing, like, heavy <laughs> presses. But go for a walk. Don't make it worse. At, yeah, least, at least, like, continue to do some things. Okay. And if it's something that warrants an emergency, like, yes, go to a doctor, go to the hospital. But on the other hand, too, don't, don't just sit there. Sitting there isn't going to solve anything. Okay. Right? You can still walk. You can still... You hurt your shoulder. You can still do legs, things like that. But... You know, just this idea of just sitting there and, and letting time pass, honestly, sort of being debunked. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm like asking the doctor questions right now, like no, all good. the questions. That's why um, we're here. <laughs> what, what is the current stance on icing? Is yes. that, yeah, I was curious if that's changed over time. Very as controversial. Well. Yes. Okay. It's, it's very fun. I have this conversation quite a bit. So, this is an interesting thing, right? So, inflammation gets this bad rap. Yes. Right? We always talk like, oh, too much inflammation. Take anti inflammatory. Take anti inflammatory. Yeah. And on the one hand, you're right. Inflammation is inherently painful, and it's your body's way of saying, "Whoa, there's something, there's something wrong." Okay. Right. But inflammation <clears throat> leads to growth. Yes. So when you work out, you inflame yourself so that your body says, "Hey, Travis, let's get our legs stronger. Let's do this." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you shut down the inflammatory process, you might be shutting down the growth too. Right. It's like in life, like okay, you have to okay. go through that painful experiences yeah, yeah. to grow. And if someone just coddles you too much, you might not get all the benefit. Right. So that's why people are leaving ice. Right. Ice is traditionally seen as an anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. But then the idea is, hey, if you're injured and you ice it, you're telling your body it's not a big deal. And what your body's oh. trying to do is inflame it to say, hey, something happened there. Let's send all the nutrients and healing and growth factors to that area. Right. So that's why some people are moving away from ice. I will say this. There's a lot of research now coming about whole body cryotherapy. Mm -hmm. So like ice baths or things like that. That's showing a lot of positive effects. Okay. Okay. It's not like local ice. Like I just tweaked this thing. Yeah. And I'm going to put some ice on it. It's like your whole body submersion. Right. Because yeah. it's, it's almost like another stress. It's another workout. Yeah, yeah. So your body has to adapt to it. What I'll tell my, my athletes that I see is if you feel like, again, the, the research is controversial. So you might listen to this podcast in five years and be like, whoa, so much it's has changed. changed. Yeah, because yeah, totally. it's, it's nuts. I'll say right now, the current stance I have is try not to utilize it unless you have to perform the next day or something like that, right? So okay, like okay. if you tweaked your arm and you're like, ah, should I ice it? I kind of just leave it. Unless you're like, hey, I got to be on set the next day or I have a competition the next day. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, let's ice it knowing that you might not get all the inflammatory process that's there that's designed for healing, but at the expense of you being able to, to be a little bit sharper tomorrow. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's kind of how I see it. Now, it, it also depends who I'm with, right? Because sometimes if someone is very painful, they can't sleep, they can't even think straight, it might be worth to put the ice on, to just calm things down, at yeah. least so that they can yeah, focus, yeah. right? This is, again, it's very controversial. You ask a different practitioner, they'll say something else. There's research that supports both camps. Okay. My thing is, let it, let it get a little inflamed. It's okay. That's okay. part of the game, right? It, it's nothing, 
it shouldn't be anything scary. And if it is, obviously, that's when you go see your doctor and things like that or, or your physical therapist because we're trained in also saying, hey, this is okay or, you know, this is not. Um, but, yeah, like inflammation isn't the end of the world. I mean, okay. that's what PRP is now. Everyone's signing up for PRP. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And what it is is your body getting inflamed to heal the area. To tell it's a, 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 you With, know automatic yeah, response. Without doing an injury, right? Oh. So your elbow hasn't fully rehabbed, right? You're like, oh, it's 80% of the way there, but it's been a year. So you get PRP, okay. and what it's doing is putting a bunch of platelets there, and those platelets trigger this inflammatory cascade. It tells your body, yo, there's something wrong in the elbow. Let's swell it up. Let's, let's treat it like an injury. But okay. the good news is you didn't actually injure it. Right, like you didn't you didn't bonk it when yeah, you got yeah, the PRP. Yeah, yeah. You just you just put some platelets there. It's just emitting that response from your body. Yeah, so it's telling your body, "Hey, this is a fresh injury." So it's going to inflame it, but the whole point is that your body then goes, "Oh, let's fix it." Mm, yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's it's wild how many things are changing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, man, it's 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 really cool because there's always something to study. Yeah, but on the other hand, there's always something to study. <laughs> Oh, that's wild. And I mean, like, even like speaking on that, like I know this weekend, like I asked you what you did, did, what'd you do for your time off? And you actually spent the weekend at an additional workshop just to get like different knowledge and credentials. Absolutely. Yeah. So right now, um, part of that opportunity I got is uh, I'm doing what's called a residency, which is optional for physical therapists, right? I I don't know the exact numbers, but I heard like about 1% of physical therapists in the world do it. So I'm getting a specialist in orthopedics, okay. um, which is like joints and muscles and bones and things like that. And part yeah, of yeah. this is doing these weekend courses. So it's cool, man. Like always learning, always yeah. learning more. It's it's the martial artist in me. It's the b-boy in me that's like, there's always room for improvement. 100%. And I know outside of obviously everything we talked about from breakdancing to getting into tricking and obviously the years you spent in physical therapy, um, I believe you also do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on the side, yes. right? Like, yeah. you know, what other things do you do to keep the mind balanced and I guess the, the body going? Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is awesome. I love that energy. I love surfing too because I can just oh, okay. take yeah, yeah. my take my phone out and go in the water and just, it's soft. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went this morning and I, I ate it so hard, but thank God for water and not concrete, you totally. know? So um, actually, I think it's really important to have a diverse movement portfolio. Okay. Right. I mean, obviously, look, if you're trying to be an Olympic athlete, you have to be a specialist by all means. If you're trying to be the healthiest person, you should do a bunch of different things. Got you. It's just got like you. nutrition. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't want to yeah. eat the same thing every day. Well balanced. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. too much of anything is a poison. Right. That old yeah. adage, like anything, even if it's good, too much of it's not good for you. And so I find movements the same. And the nice thing is a lot of things will, will complement each other. So like jujitsu is a lot of like pulling and and squeezing people in and surfing and tricking are very opening, right? Like Uh, I'm trying to extend myself and make lines. Totally different in that sense. Breaking is all about like being on the ground and learning how to like play with the ground, right? Same with jujitsu, but tricking is learning how to be in the air, right? So I feel like these juxtapositions, right? These different almost opposites of movement are really good for you. So you learn how to be in, you learn how to be open, things like that. So Again, if, if you're trying to be a specialist, you're trying to be the best person in the world, it's a different conversation. You have to be hyper-focused on what you do. But even then, they cross-train because it's like you, you're going to have injuries. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that, like as far as cross-training is concerned, especially with, in re- relation to our sports, obviously, in addition to like agility and speed, uh, yeah. you also need strength. Yes. Are you a fan of weightlifting? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, do you prefer, yeah, or would you say body weight stuff is just enough for what we do? It depends. It depends on what you do, what your goals are, who you are at that time. I, I weightlift. I think it's great. To me, weightlifting is is um, is having really good form mm-hmm. 
body weight stuff just with more stress. If you okay. like, so I'll give you yeah, this yeah. example. Okay. If you can't squat right without any weight, don't throw a barbell on it. Like just why you're just going to hurt <laughs> yourself more. Yeah. Science you won't counts. even feel it. Like <laughs> totally. you'll be like, Oh, it's fine. It's just a hundred pounds, but you're losing to the weight. Right. So to me, weightlifting is how much stress can you take and still be perfect? That makes sense. Before Other, you break form and injure. Yes. Yeah. If you break form, the weight is beating you. You lost the game. Okay. Right. So it's like, otherwise, why are you doing it? You're not actually lifting the weight. Your spine is just taking the compression. Your yeah. knees are just, your, your joints are doing it, not your muscles. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a fan of weightlifting, but I will say like, you got to do it right. Okay. Yeah. You can't just throw things around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it depends <laughs> what your goal is like to each is their own. Um, for me, I love weightlifting, but I'll, I'll do lower, lighter weights, but like trying to have my form impeccable. Cause okay. to me, it's like, if I can have it impeccable here, then when I'm doing a cork, mm-hmm. it should get easier. Yeah. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess like one of the other major questions I, I would have for someone like yourself is, uh, <clears throat> while you study all these different forms of movement yourself, and obviously you know what it does on the, on the body. Do you foresee anyone that you'll be able to do for the longest amount of time? Great I feel, question. I feel like it's a, you know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think yeah. like longevity is something that a lot of us fear, especially at my older age. I'm starting to feel like the hourglass is maybe on the other half for me as far as tricking is concerned. Um, you know? Like, yes. So I've thought about this because I'm, I, I got to the game late. Like I started, my journey started at 17, right? Yeah, Which that is relatively very late to be honest with you guys. No, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. I mean, late. now you see nine year old kids, doing one-handed air flares and I'm just like my potentially God. one of the best triggers in the world is 16 right you know so it's like starting that late you know I, I missed a huge a huge curve yeah but I, I take pride in the fact that I can still throw down yes. I, I might yes, not yes. be the best in the world but I can throw down um, and I think if you cross train well, well here's the interesting thing no one's the sport isn't even old enough to know how far we can take it's it same with breaking sure. yeah, I mean yeah. Some of the pioneers, what breaking started in like 70s, mm-hmm. right? So it's like the pioneers of breaking are still doing it today, right? It's true, yeah, yeah. And you can make the argument that they're not doing the gnarly things, but they didn't grow up doing the gnarly things either. Like it's the new generation that's doing the one-handed air flares and things like that. Or same with tricking, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. it's a new generation that's doing triple cork swing throughs, right? But you can look at Anise and Danny and Jeremy those guys can still throw down, totally. dude. Like, totally. I will never, ever call them out <laughs> totally. in a battle. So we don't actually know where this limit is. I will say, obviously, as you age, things change. But I think if you're really good about your strengthening, things like that, you can yeah. still throw it on. Actually, when I, was, when I was taking the jam classes, the CMA classes with um, Dan Perez, yeah, yeah, yes. we had a student there who was, I think, in his late 50s, who was like a dad, like not, no. he, he had no, okay. like he, he was not fit and we got him to do gainers no at way. jam. Yeah. He, he started, yeah. he had no background before and he okay. started in his fifties and he could still do gainers. And like, I'm like, so that's the really interesting thing is where does this go? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's so new that we're still seeing the boundaries pushed and we're also seeing the, the pioneers still throwing down. Yeah. So I don't know, like I, I'm, I think, I can see people surfing much later. I can see people doing jujitsu till much later, but we don't know about tricking and breaking. That's going to be the interesting thing. My goal is to keep people going. Yeah. Right. 100%, like that's, that's yeah. the thing I want to throw down. I want, when I have kids, 
that are 21 and they're going to a club, like I want to go smoke them. <laughs> like, that's it. Like I'm not even going to tell them. I'm just going to be like, where are you going again? Yeah, oh, that spot. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, Show cool, up cool. in the circle. Show up with my, yeah. with my crew, right? Uh, and just be like, you're going down, son. That's <laughs> so funny, Doug. Oh. Yeah. And so obviously we've talked about the balance that you have to have between, you know, your career and within stunts and physical therapy. And at least now you're done with school, technically speaking. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what is the current goal? Would it be to pursue physical therapy full on right now? Or are you still considering yourself like 50, 50 as far as stunts is concerned? Yeah. I mean, I'm a physical therapist, right? Okay. Absolutely. But I am also a stunt performer. Um, right now with the way I'm set up, like I have to a certain number of days, I have to dedicate to physical therapy to get the specialist degree. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. So, but if I have a gig opportunity that comes up and we make it work, like I'm there, I love it. You know okay. what I mean? I love pushing the boundaries. I'm, I'll, I'll never say no to a good time. Yes. Um, in terms of what that looks like for the future, that's the interesting question, right? I don't know if there's another stunt person that's gotten their doctor in physical therapy. I can't. I don't know. Either. I personally yeah. don't know, personally him, but don't I don't know. know everyone around the world. Right. Anyone out there? Yeah, right in the comments. Shout them out. Yeah, shout out in the comments. <laughs> um, so what can we do with that? Yeah. Right? Like I talked about earlier, I was basically treating people while they're on set, right? And um, it was awesome. Like we had guys that would just like come up and some people got like obviously, you know, some gnarly injuries. And yeah. I was the first one there to be like, hey, you know what? You do need to go to the hospital, right? Oh, no or, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but they'd go to the hospital and they'd actually have a, you know, a let's say a surgeon who was very surgery happy. And was like, hey, let's do this. And I would tell them, listen, your decision is your decision. But at the end of the day, I'm going to present to you what I also know. Yeah. And, um, you know, some, I, I've gotten a bunch of people to actually not get surgeries that they, in my opinion, do not need mm -hmm. and are very happy mm -hmm. to this day that they haven't gotten it. Totally. So I don't know if it looks like being a, a PT for the stunt team, if it looks like, you know, having doing kind of what I do now where I see people that are, are stunt people. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We're, this is on uncharted territory. So we'll see. I'll probably look back on this podcast in, in five years and be like, yo, what? <laughs> and bro, that is the segue of the century. Cause this brings me to my question. I was going okay. to ask you, which I ask everyone, which is where do you see yourself five years from now? And where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And it doesn't have to be work related. It literally could be wherever you see yourself. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, ultimately my goal is to help people. So I do want to do create some foundations that do sort of physical therapy and actually sort of like martial arts that we do for kids born with disabilities and impairments. Mm, so that, yeah, that is yeah, yeah. something that in my head is like, it must be done. Everything else is sort of flexible. as to okay. what the future looks like, I think COVID taught us one thing that we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So hundred. Yeah. Right. So we have to have a little bit of flexibility, but man, I love helping people. So I'm always going to treat people, but I also love, getting after it and getting gnarly. So I'm, I'm going to keep pushing it there too. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm kind of at this stage in my life, I'm, I'm kind of going for the ride, Okay. but I, I do foresee myself eventually opening a spot. Right. And, yeah, um, yeah. and doing some, some charity work there and stuff like that. Okay. And, and hopefully making this spot be something catered for martial artists, for movement experts. Hell right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So who knows? Crazy. Who knows what future Shion has in store? And greatly yeah. looking forward to it, you know, and more than anything, like, like I said, I just really appreciate, uh, you know, all the years of support and, and, and seeing the progress in you. Like to me, it's insane to know that you never flip to, you know, see the videos that you post at jam now where you're really just, you know, <laughs> focused on cleanliness and extension and, 
Yeah, it's crazy to see the progress. You it, know? It, it's crazy to be here, man. Yeah. Funny enough, I was I was listening to that song by Logic, Soul Food, on the way uh, here, yeah, and the yeah. first line is "Conversations with Legends." Crazy <laughs> how one day your idols turn into your brethren, and that's how I feel right now. Wow, it's dog. nuts, right? Like, dog. from from going to White Lotus and with my eyes like so big, like looking at everyone doing this crazy stuff and being, I'll never be able to backflip one day. Yeah. To now like sitting here having this conversation with you and. and over a decade yeah. of a journey together it's uh it's been a wild ride and so fun and so I, fun. I don't think anything happens by chance i mean even down to your first first stunt job being with anise sherfa who i'm sure yeah. is someone that you had looked up to at some point Dude, and still to yeah, this day you know what a, what a legend that guy is it's, it's crazy man. it's crazy it's crazy yeah. dog but yeah i mean like i said every time i see you my mom always makes a point for me to say hello <laughs> and, and send her wishes and see, uh, your mom is you inspiration know. for us all when, when <laughs> real you, talk y'all when real you talk. say how far can we go <laughs> yeah dude mama wong yeah, still man. throwing it down 100. harder than anybody and bro i've said this on another podcast and i'm just gonna repeat it just in yeah. case you haven't heard it uh min q do you know ming yeah yeah a famous stunt woman ex-world wushu champion you know her dad his annual birthday checkup used to be if he can still do round off back handspring backflip and a handstand for two minutes. And so I just recently saw her on Shang-Chi reshoots that yeah, I was yeah. working on. And I was like, Ming, I haven't seen you in like five years. How old's your dad and can he still do it? And she goes, he just turned 80. He can still do handstand for two minutes. He doesn't do the backflip, but he still does round off back handsprings. 80. 80. Yeah, well, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope and think he didn't even have the information we do today that's what i'm that's saying that's the crazy that's thing, what i'm saying right? knowledge is power knowledge oh my god yeah I, I wish i knew i mean we all say this but i wish i knew everything i did 10 years ago i feel like i would have been a world champion hindsight is 2020 <laughs> baby right yeah maybe even 2015 you know right. yeah hindsight oh is god. amazing bro oh my god yeah but uh dog like i said more than anything thank you for the support over the years from you know being someone that just went to open gym for five dollars to working your way into being a part of the jam family. And, uh, now, like I said, I got a physical therapy session with you after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, like man, I'm about to yeah, go do man. work on myself. Let's go. I mean, thank you, bro. I mean, yeah. from, from having a place like Lotus and jam to this podcast, you, you used to critique my stunt reels. <laughs> you know what I mean? You try to help. Yeah. I mean, you've been <laughs> along the journey the whole way yeah. and supporting me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you too, bro. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, I, I appreciate it. And um, like I said, be, you know, before we get out of here, I would love if you could just look into that camera and let people know where they can uh, stay up to date with your own personal journey and maybe even just, you know, get in contact with you should they want to seek out sessions or help or advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just let people know. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at Shyon Safar, uh, S-H-A-Y-A-N-S-A-F-A-R. You can reach out to me there. Um, I'm going to be posting some more content that's physical therapy related. So uh, you'll get to see a little bit of the stunt stuff, a little tricking, breaking, and then hopefully some some guidance on some PT stuff too. Trust me, guys. He's one of the best in the game. I don't let anyone touch my body. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, guys, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for a brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the movement community like Dr. Cheyenne Safar himself. So that being said, guys, got to give one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through, homie. Of course. Thank you, guys. Hell Appreciate yes. it. And as always, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.